Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, this weekend, last weekend, we talked about the difficulty of, 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 of suffering and, and how that kind of correlates to God's goodness. And uh, so I thought we, we might pick up a little. Can everybody see that okay? Good. But you can't. I can smell it. You can just see it. Just. So I thought we'd pick up a little bit and talk just briefly about uh, the goodness of God. And, 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 and not to lose sight of how incredibly good the Lord is. How incredibly good the Lord is. In fact, this... I just want to kind of entitle this little message, uh, Taste and See. Taste and See. Have you ever, ever been involved in something or with someone? So maybe a, maybe a friend or, or maybe a sibling or maybe a parent, maybe a boss. Uh, maybe it was a job. But you were involved in something that was so incredible, so amazing, so good, right? It was so good that the further you went along in the relationship or the job or the career, or, or, or maybe you had an employee, you're like, man, they, they're amazing. But isn't it interesting that how those relationships, the further they go along, relationships and things that we're involved in, we have a tendency to forget the things that were incredibly good in the beginning seem to begin uh, to lose that incredible element to us. It happens a lot. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the goodness of that. When Sharon and I, we got married in 1987, right? January 1987. I know we don't look that old. But we were married, and at that time, I was living in Bolivar, Missouri, just north of Springfield. And Sharon and I, we, after we got married, we hightailed it to Bolivar, Missouri. And there I was going to school. We had a small apartment, and we moved there in January. And, of course, it was pretty chilly in January in Bolivar, Missouri. And I don't know how the conversation came about, but I just, one afternoon, one evening, I thought, boy, my mother's chicken and dumpling sounds incredible. She said, Sharon said, what? I'm like, my mom's chicken and dumplings sound really good. You know, on a cool evening, on a cold night, chicken and dumplings can just hit the spot. And Sharon, with bravery and courage and not a lot of thought, said, I bet I can make those chicken and dumplings. Now, given her props, right, for going down that path, and she knew my mom well, and I think they might have got on the phone back then, and the recipe came about, and Sharon, my wife, and all of her amazingness went down the road of trying to emulate my mother's chicken and dumplings. She gave it a shot. She did the best she could. I don't know if my mother intentionally left out a part of the recipe. I don't know. But, but you know where it's going, right? I mean, it was a, it was a noble effort. I mean, I, it just, just the courage, right, to, to, to say, I think I can pull that off. New bride, newly wed, wanting to be all that she could be. It, it was a solid Solid batch of chicken and dumplings. And she reminded me today she's never tried to make them again. Then she said, maybe this week. <laughs> like, all right, sister, you go for it. 
But I got to thinking about, man, my mother could put together a pretty good batch of chicken and dumplings. And, and, and it was so good that I'd had it so often that I, I forgot how amazing those chicken and dumplings could be. Uh, could it be that, that God has been so good for so long he, his goodness is so prevalent, his goodness is so consistent that we've lost sight of actually how good he is. Or even worse, not have we just lost sight of how incredibly good God is, but, but maybe we've even doubted his goodness. Larry Crabb says it this way, Doubt of God's goodness creates the terror of aloneness in an unreliable world, which leads to rage against God for doing so little to protect us from suffering. When I am not convinced that God is good, I will quietly, but with a tight-lipped resolve, take responsibility for my own being. David said it this way in Psalms 27, 13, in the New King James Version. I would have lost heart. Say that with me. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, verse 17, and the ESV says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Recognizing God's amazing, consistent, prevalent goodness should lead us to a posture of gratitude. When you recognize the provision, the response should be a posture of gratitude. Uh, we see this in the life of Jesus on several occasions in the New Testament. So we know in Matthew chapter 15, 4,000 people, we know those are likely the men. So he's got quite a crowd there, and they're a little short on food. What does Jesus do? The scripture says he breaks the bread, then he prays, and he thanks the Father. He thanks the Father. He doesn't even have it all there. And he thanks the Father. Very similar in John chapter 6, 4,000. Now we have a feeding of 5,000. Again, likely men. Same M.O. for Jesus. Father, I thank you. The provision is not even there yet. But he thanks the Father on the front end. Recognizing the Father's goodness. We see in John chapter 11 where he's at the grave of, of Lazarus, one of his best friends, right? And in a prayer, he, he thanks the Father because the Father has heard him when he prays. We see toward the end of Jesus' earthly life in Luke chapter 22, at the Passover meal, he thanks the Father for the wine and the bread. It was a part of his, his living, how he lived his life from this place of gratitude. Gratitude to the Father is a reminder to us. Now get this, a gratitude, gratitude to the Father is a reminder to us that He is the provision for everything. Every provision comes from the Father. Well, this week we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Are you ready? Doesn't sound like it. Are you ready? You know, what happened this morning, Sharon and I were up and uh, we're having a cup of coffee, and, and, and my phone starts going off, blowing up. Sharon's like, who is it? Wasn't that bad. You, you just, was it bad coffee? Huh? 
It was early, right? Somebody's already hitting us early. Who is it? Oh, I looked on my messenger, Pastor Manuel Castro down in San Luis. Good morning, Pastor. Talking to me. I'm like, good morning. Thank you. Hey, thank you. It's Thanksgiving week. He's telling me this in his text. I'm like, yes, it is. And then the next two words, praise God. That's all I heard from him. I'm like, there's got to be more coming. That was it. It's Thanksgiving week. Praise God. This reality that as we enter into this week, I, it's a great time. It, it's one of the best times of the year. And, and I'm excited about it, but not only am I excited about it, but my taste buds are pretty excited about it. They're excited about this week. They're, they're anticipating some pretty incredible things. I have similar pies here, similar pieces of pies. They're very similar. One is a pecan pie. The other, a pecan pie. I, I, I don't know who made this pie. I have no idea who made this pie. Now, I just cut a piece out of a larger pie. It's, it's here, but I, I don't know who made this, this pie. I don't know. Now, I bought the pie at Sam's, but that's all I know about the pie. That's it. There's more to the pie than I know, would you agree? But I don't know who made it. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how old it is. I've not even tasted it. But, but it, it's similar to the other pie. Now, if you look closely, even maybe from where you're sitting or if you're watching on the video, you, you, you can tell just initially a distinct difference between the pies. I can tell a distinct difference just looking at the pies. Now, while I don't know who made this, I do know who made this. In fact, not only do I know who made this one, I specifically ask her to make it. So we have similar pies, but they're distinctive in many ways. I don't know who made it. I don't know where it came from. Oh, but this one I do. I, I know who made it. I know where it came from. I, 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 I know probably the kitchen it came from. I've been in that kitchen. So while the pies are similar, they're, they're distinctive as well. Knowing the hand that made the pie deepens the appreciation for the pie. Do you agree? Knowing the hand, the time, the thought, the skill, the experience sets one of the pies apart from the other. And while I can say I'm thankful for this pie, and I am, if I gave you that, you would, like, you would say, well, thank you. So I'm thankful for this, but, but I'm not only thankful for the pie, I'm thankful for the baker. Follow me. I, I'm thankful for the pie. Oh, but here goes much deeper. This is now a relationship. I, I know who put it together. I know how they put it together. I know they have great skill and experience and time and thought. And so that alone sets this piece apart from this piece. Knowing the provider deepens our gratitude for the provision. Hear that? Knowing who provides 
deepens our gratitude for the provision. This is an incredibly New Testament principle, and we see it also. David in Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see. Here we go. Oh, taste and see. Say it with me. Oh, taste and see. Now, the word taste here means to perceive. The New Testament equivalent means to actually take a bite. Or, is anybody hungry? <laughs> oh, oh taste. David says, oh, taste and then see. To see means to, to look with intent. Look at what he says. Oh, oh, taste and see what? That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see what? That the Lord is good. Back to the goodness of God. Now, as I look at that passage, and I looked at it fairly deep this week, I noticed David did not say, see and taste. But he said, taste and see. Because it's likely you've been in a, in a setting where there's been food, and, and, and you saw food, you saw the food, but you're like, I don't think I want to taste that food. Correct? You, you've seen some food, you're like, I don't think so. I, I remember our first trip to Nepal with the kids, and, and uh, just be careful when you're eating in other places, okay? And uh, we'd stopped, and, and we were having a meal at this, at this orphanage, and we were providing the meal, and on the way we stopped, and, and we picked up a little frozen goat meat. Now, fresh goat meat's not bad, actually, but the frozen goat meat and, and the gentleman there at the little shop, he, he pulled out like a, a little flamethrower, and he just began to thaw that meat out. And we're watching it. We're watching. We're like, hey, don't eat the goat. Eat the rice. Don't eat the goat. We get to the orphanage. We're serving the meal. We want to be kind. We want to be a part of the meal. Myself is there, my wife Sharon, our daughter Kaylee, and my son Gregory. He takes a big bite of that goat. I think it rocked his world for the next few days. They're like, sometimes you see something and you're like, I don't think so. I had a buddy years ago, he, he tried to talk me into eating sushi. And, and, and I didn't know much about sushi. The closest thing I'd ever had to sushi was fried catfish in Oklahoma. That was our sushi, right? And he talked me into it. And so he ordered the sushi. They brought the sushi out. I think it was like one of these spicy... Uh, like a spicy tuna roll, you know, and, and I look, I, when I saw it, I'm like, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. He talked me into it. I, I'm still learning to eat sushi, but I enjoy it. David doesn't say, see and then taste. What's he say? Taste and then see. It's a powerful principle that he's communicating to us because oftentimes when we see before we taste, there's a problem. There's a disconnect. So in other words, I may see suffering. I may see hurt. I may see pain. I may see death. I may see loneliness. I may see depression. And when I see those things or even sense them in my own life, I can maybe conclude maybe God is not all that good. If I see before I taste, I may come to an erroneous conclusion regarding the Father's goodness. But if I taste, before I see, doesn't the Scripture say we walk by faith, not by sight? 
if I will taste his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his peace and his purpose, and if I will taste his strength and, and if I will taste his friendship, if I will take these things first, I come to know his goodness, and as I come to know his goodness, I begin to live from a posture of gratitude. Gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, Paul gives us three imperatives. Notice what they are. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Gratitude is his will. Say it with me. Gratitude is his will. Isn't that amazing? I thought, well, why, why would gratitude be so important to the Father? It's because when we, when we experience worry, right? I experience worry. When we experience anxiety, when we experience tragedy, when we experience those things, the principle is to be thankful in it, not for it. You see that? Thankful in it. And, and as we're thankful in it, could it be as we're thankful in the difficulty, in the challenge, could it be as in, in that, that sphere of thankfulness, could it be now that my eyes are open to his goodness, where I'll never see if I'm never grateful, thankful in it. They look pretty similar, don't they? Would you say that? They look similar? You know, uh, th there are a couple distinct differences here. But ultimately, what will set the pie apart? Do you know? Not its look. It's taste. I mean, that ultimately, what's going to be the difference, right? I mean, they're both. Looks like a Sam special, right? It's not bad. Look at the crust here. You see the crust? That alone tells me this, this could be the piece. So, so ultimately, it comes down to, to taste. Do you have a minute? Now, this is the Sam special. You have a minute? This may get awkward. If I had a little milk, that would help. How many of you like pecan pie, by the way? Okay, I see those hands. You put a little whipped cream on it from time to time? You just keep, okay. I, I digress. I've only got a few minutes here. Now, this looks rich, doesn't it? It's a little different color. I've been watching too many cooking shows. Mm. Distinctly different. Karen. By the way, Karen Wingert made the pie. Mmm. The taste is the difference. Isn't that true of faith as well? <laughs> Isn't that what the psalmist is saying here? He's like, I want you to taste and see. Knowing the provider deepens our appreciation for the provision. I want you to just kind of walk away with that. Knowing the provider deepens our appreciation for the provision. 
Karen's pie is, has a different color. You see that? It's, it's, it's rich, dark. It's just a little slice of heaven. Nothing against the Sam special. It is what it is. Not bad. Different league, different baker, different skill. Taste and see. Two questions. How thankful have you been to the Father? He's like, oh, pastor, I, I'm, I, I'm always thankful. I, I know we, we are. We probably want to live with that. But how intentional have we been in our gratitude toward the Father? Because I might say, oh, well, he, he knows. I mean, he, he knows, hey, he knows how grateful and thankful, probably. But have you told him? Have you told him? I, I, I like this question. If you were to wake up tomorrow with only the things that you thank God for today, what would you have? What would you have? Second application. What could you do to incorporate more gratitude into your life? What, what could you do? I mean, what, what is something, what is a, a habit? What is a, an intentional act? Zig Ziglar says gratitude is the healthiest of all emotional acts. Gratitude. What could you do? Just this week, just this week, what could you do to be more grateful? Could it be that God's prevalent, unrelenting goodness has overwhelmed us so much that we no longer even recognize how good that He is. Or even worse, we may not even be convinced He's good at all. Let's pray. Father, we come to You with the declaration that you are good. As David says that we can taste and we can see that you are good. But Father, we have to engage. We have to taste. The word means to perceive, to partake. And so Father, I pray that those of us in the room tonight, if we are questioning your goodness, maybe by what we see, by what we're going through, by what we've heard. First, let us stop and engage, taste, perceive who you are according to the scriptures, and by faith, see your goodness. Father, we ask for forgiveness for those of us here, including myself, who your unrelenting, consistent goodness has been so prevalent in our lives. We've, you've overwhelmed us with so much goodness that we no longer even recognize how good you are. Father, this week, will you bring us back to a place of gratitude, to be thankful in it, not necessarily for it, that as our lives grow further and further into the image of Christ, we say, Father, thank you for being a good father. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.